0: Hello, Decode Your Burnout fans, and welcome to another episode with me, Dr. Sharon Grossman. Today, I am joined by Kelly Cadell, who is a sexual wellness coach. Now, Kelly is on a mission to create a revolution for sexual healing. Three decades ago, she was motivated to find answers to her own sexual conditioning, and in particular, healing from sexual shame. Later as a therapist with a background in couples work, and sexual health. Her research and work turned into helping others discover shame-free, joyful, authentic sexuality for themselves. Kelly now specializes in the effects of pornography and supports individuals and couples to reclaim themselves back from the culture so that they can experience freedom, sexual happiness, and fulfillment. Kelly, welcome to the show. Thank
1: you so much, Sharon. It's so great to be here.
0: Yeah, the reason I really was excited about this topic um, is because what I find is that sometimes people who are really, really stressed out with work and life and all the demands on them tend to look for those quick solutions that are going to alleviate their stress, right? And we all know that we do things like we Netflix and we Facebook and We'll eat all kinds of sugary snacks and we drink alcohol. We do all these things, right? We talk about those quite a lot, What we don't talk about as much is what we do sexually to relieve the stress and also to regain a sense of control in our lives. And I think this is a really important topic for us to discuss. And what I'm excited about is that very briefly, you are going to help us debunk some of the myths that we have about sex, sexual problems, and everything related to this topic that I think is going to be really, really important for people to hear. So uh, before we jump in, though, I would love to hear a little bit more about your story. What kind of burned you out initially? And how did you get into this territory?
1: Yeah, well, it began many decades ago. I found myself as a young woman having relationship issues and um, it was affecting my mental health. It was affecting my relationships. Um, But later when I got married, that's really where I hit, I want to call it burnout in the bedroom. My husband and I at the time were really having some incompatibility issues and that's typically what will bring people to a sex therapist's office that they have d- different desires different amounts they want different amounts or different kinds of sex and that's certainly what was happening for us and and it was very alarming for me because i just didn't anticipate you know i think we all start our relationships you know pretty hot and heavy and we think it's going to last that way But it's, I don't believe that um, things need to get cold. It's, It's because in my view of the way we've been conditioned that creates the incompatibility and the problems in the bedroom. So I took it on for myself to heal, heal myself around my sexuality. And then I took it on in my marriage and it was something that we were really able to turn around And then I, I went out and taught other people how to do what we had done.
0: Okay. So I'm sure at this point, people listening to this are like, wait, what you're going to tell me this stuff. Like, I can't wait to get to the end. Right. But here's, here's something that I heard that I think uh, is important. You, as you're talking about burnout in the bedroom, You mentioned some things like the fact that we start relationships hot and heavy and we think it's going to last this way, which kind of makes me think about when people start their jobs, right? Hmm. We take a job, we're excited about it. And we're like, yes, you know, I applied, I got the job. I'm excited to get started. And you pour yourself into it and you think it's going to be great because I mean, if we thought it was going to be toxic, we wouldn't be applying, right? So right. I think in a very similar way we get blindsided by all the stress, yep. all the overwhelm, all the demands and you know, you use the term like things get cold and I f- I feel like we talk about it as like the opposite end of the spectrum where you're getting burned because it's like too hot, oh. right? But Anyway, kind of interesting play on words there. Um, And then you said there's some sort of conditioning that leads us to get cold in the bedroom. And I'm curious, what is that conditioning? What are you referring to? Yeah, so I want to answer a couple of
1: questions or a couple of, not questions, but um, the coldness I'm referring to is the avoidance. Okay. Right, where when I mean cold, I mean, there's unmet expectations, there's issues that we didn't anticipate, and we don't necessarily know how to deal with them. So what we do is avoid. We avoid the topic, we, we kind of turtle and in the case of sexuality, people end up taking care of themselves. Mm. If you know what I mean. Masturbation. So, yeah, masturbation. So or, or and, maybe or maybe an affair, or an affair. Sure. Right. And And we can't talk about modern day sexuality without bringing in the pornography factor because it's it's hugely impactful on a lot of people's, you know, lives and, 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 you know, people have gone there as well to, to kind of fill in the gap. If things aren't going so well in the bedroom, then, you know, going to pornography is a very common thing that people do. Um, So you asked about the conditioning Yeah. Yeah. We're, we are conditioned to have at this stage, like if, if you look at our common modern era that we've all been brought up in at this point, that, um, that we, we can't get away from looking at how the culture has become pornified. That's, that's what I, I term it is that, that porn, pornography, sex, porn sex, has become sort of the standard, has become the the educative model for, for many, many people. And we don't realize that that's happening, that that's shaping our expectations, our desires, our preferences, what we expect in the bedroom. And the real problem that that arises is when one partner is viewing porn and engaging in porn, and the other partner is not there. They're cre- what gets created is this huge gap between those two people about expectations, and then they find themselves at odds. Yeah. And then that's where the disconnect starts to happen. And there's a term now, Sharon, I don't know if you've heard of it, but um, it's it's called the dead bedroom syndrome. Oh, so no, people, I haven't heard. people are not having sex. And my theory is that pornography is, is right at the heart of it all because people can go to that instead of, instead of their partners. And it's so much more, so much more difficult. The job is is far more difficult to face each other, to have conversations about sex. Just talking about sex is, is something that my clients, um, you know, start out with very often having, having discomfort doing really addressing this issue head on. And, um, you know, but we have to talk about it in order to solve it.
0: Yeah, so I can, I can probably imagine that. um, Sometimes it's what you're describing, where people are having problems with their partner, and they don't know how to solve it. And they don't feel comfortable speaking about it, or they might believe that even if I said something, it's not going to solve anything. So there's a helplessness factor. Yes. And that's where they're like, you know what, I'll just take care of me. And I'll be able to stay in the relationship. And that's for the greater good, because I don't have to break up the family. And you know, right. So it's like the easier thing to do. Well, And you just pointed to, I hear a lot from
1: men is that they really do believe that they're doing their partner a favor by not asking her because she's, she's presenting herself as she's not really into it anyways. So they feel, you know, on some level, they don't want to pressure or impose or have the conflict or put her in a, in a situation where she's having to, you know, say no, so yeah there's there's a very common I'll just go over here and you know we'll both be good and okay. and and you know you mentioned Sharon like it it we we use porn and masturbation as that release and it does work that's why it's so prevalent and it's so common because right. it's a very effective stress release or relief you know in the short we, run in the short,
0: in the run. short
1: run in yeah. the short and, run and but that's why it's problematic
0: day, that's why we're talking about it because all yeah. of these all these kind of short term strategies yeah. are a trap right they help you in the short term but if you haven't solved the problem of the intimacy with your partner then you've got long-term problems. Yeah.
1: Right? And that's where yeah, you come that in. That is very stressful, Sharon. That is very stressful too having the the because what i find is when when sex is working for a couple, it takes its right place. It's like part of their world that works. But when when sex is a problem it tends to take up a bigger space like people really do feel that when they're when they're disconnected from their partner or they fear that their sex problems might ultimately lead lead to the relationship
0: ending right so there's so many emotions that come into the mix here so i got a question you gave you gave the typical scenario that you see which is you have a, a partner, a male partner, who's dissatisfied sexually, doesn't wanna pressure the the woman in the relationship. And so he's got needs that aren't being met. So I take it that you can work with him to help him figure out how to maybe communicate or what have you. Yeah. But what about for the woman in that scenario who doesn't have those kinds of expressed needs, how do you work with the other partner to kind of get the two so that they're aligned? That seems challenging. It it is it is a challenge, but it's it's amazing
1: work to do because when people can get to the other side of it, it it feels like you've won the lottery, you know? Yeah. Um so, so I'm going to be very specific here in relation to. someone who's using porn and someone in the relationship who's not, because that is the most typical dynamic that, that I see. Okay. So, um, so I work with the, the man to really educate him in, in terms of, and have him reflect on his own conditioning because it's it's some it's kind of like the water we swim in it's like being a fish in water we don't really really recognize how the current culture has shaped us and formed us because you know human if you think about it human sexuality is largely socially constructed it really depends on where you grow up in the world that that shapes what your preferences are what 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 you find attractive what you find sexy um, and the behaviors that you'll engage in largely depend on what you grow up around and what you see around you and what you see modeled and other people doing, right, or what you hear about. Um, so first, it's about sort of deconstructing how things got constructed. It's kind of a, um, an uneducation. And then, and then re-educating to like what actually creates a relationship where both parties are well, right? So the man is taking sort of back some leadership in his own life around leading him and his partner towards something that is, it is good for both of them. And then in terms of the female partner, the number one thing is to recognize that Porn is not a personal thing anymore. Like it is a social phenomenon that the majority of men have had some exposure to. It just depends on how much. Um, And I'm not saying all men. There's a lot of guys out there that prefer not to view porn. Okay. I'm not saying all guys view porn, but in terms of the, the numbers and the, the, and I'm, I'm sorry, I don't have specific numbers for you, but um, the and then the the sort of fallout that we're seeing in terms of this dead bedroom syndrome, for example, we know that it's affecting massive, massive numbers of people. So in terms of um, and and the, the degree to which the the guy is suffering around this is is yet to be determined, but for the woman, it's to understand that, Hey, look, this is a social phenomenon that we're dealing with. If you're going to be upset or mad or angry about pornography directed towards the porn industry, not your partner, (laughs) because if, if your partner is showing up and saying, Hey, this is something I want to address and deal with, then wow, you've got a real opportunity here to create something new. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, that to me is a very, um, like it's a really big deal to just raise one's hand and say, hey, I think there's something I could take a look at here. And because again, sex is just not not something easy to address. And we have a lot of fears about, are we gonna be able to overcome this? Is it gonna be able to be any different? Like there's a lot of concern about, could this be better? So just getting started and having the courage to, to, you know, test some new waters and see what could be possible is, is remarkable. So I try to work with the, with the woman to kind of create a context that's going to really support him, but also both of them to create something new together.
0: Okay. So I know that there's a lot of myths when it comes to sexuality Especially in relationships, what are the three biggest ones that you see again and again? Okay, so myth number one is that sexual
1: problems are the same as they always have been. So I'm sure for generations gone by, any couple who are together for any length of time, they're going to have some sex problems. There's going to be things to, to work out. There's going to be maybe dry spells. There's going to be maybe some disconnect. Like there's, I, I, you know, I, I, I just think you can't really get through life with having some, some issues around sex. You know, it doesn't go smooth, smooth, smooth all the way along, but today's sexual problems are so connected with, the porn phenomenon. Mm -hmm. That to contextualize it that way is really, really helpful. We must take a look at what has porn done to us? You know, what, what, and I'm, I'm not, I'm not trying to be moralistic here. I'm trying to be realistic because I deal with clients day in and day out who are unpacking, you know, what kind of, what kind of impact that porn has had on them. And and like I said, the major disconnect that it's creating in relationships.
0: You mean in terms of expectations that, you know, when you're watching porn, they do all kinds of non-traditional positions and, you know, typically couples don't act like that in the bedroom. And so when mm. they're coming into the bedroom with their partner, all of a sudden their partner is like, what? You want me to do what? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that, exactly. That's what you mean that's, that's really the heart of it
1: is, is those expectations and the attitudes towards sex. Sex has become in porn, sex has become more and more violent.
0: Mm. Um,
1: it's, it's more, more aggressive. And what it really does is because porn connects people with, with visual, Right. Mm-hmm. So there's a very strong mental imagery factor when it right. comes to pornography. Yeah. So it makes it very difficult for the person to be present when they're being sexual. That's one of the things that partners complain about is that their, their partner isn't really there. They're well,
0: in their they're not head really with there the images.
1: They're in their head. Gotcha. Okay. Right? It, it gets connected. So that's, that's another example yeah. of the impact that, but there's many. That, okay. that we won't get into all those, but you know, um, sexual problems today. Um, it, it's just so helpful to to make sure that the issue of porn is brought into the conversation.
0: Okay, so I think so far we've covered myth number one that sexual problems today are different from what they used to be, for the most part, because of the expectations that are shaped by pornography and how pornography is actually shaping the, the way that we think about sex and how to approach our partners. And sometimes there's that disconnect between what is this fantasy that you're seeing on a video versus what you can really do with your partner.
1: Yeah. I mean, and there's more too, like there, it there's, it's a very, um, it's a very, uh, what am I trying to say here? Um, It's orgasmic centric, right? So the end Mm -hmm. goal is orgasm. Whereas in real life, sex, sexual expression and sexual enjoyment and pleasure is, is a much broader spectrum than that. Okay. Um, There's also a very high um, there. There's a message for men about performance, which can create performance anxiety for men.
0: Mm-hmm. So, right. Cause, cause, cause it's, it's not just expectations for their partner, but it's expectations of themselves. A of like, man. I gotta be like that guy in the video exactly. he's doing yeah. that. I have to be able to do that. Otherwise yeah. I'm not, I'm not a man. Right. Well, or that I'm not, I'm not going to perform
1: properly. I'm not going to please yeah. her. Or I'm not going to do it right. Or I'm not, yeah. you know, all, so that. all, so all kinds creates... of
0: expectations that kind of yeah. take us, take us into this craziness. Okay. So yeah. what's the next myth that you want to debunk for us.
1: Okay. So, so when I say this, I want your listeners to just, you know, bear with me for a minute here. (laughs) So myth number two is men know best about sex. That's a myth. It's a myth, but, but don't you think that that like, that's a cultural thing that that guys are supposed to, they get raised with, they're supposed to know about sex. Okay. And the truth is, sexual well-being in a in a partnership is something that's co-created
0: yes
1: that the that the woman or the partner um must be a participant in, in like in creating in discovering what is going to work best with that partner. And I think when men sort of take themselves out of that position of having to know best, it actually relieves some pressure and mm. some anxiety because no, you know, and, and the rules have kind of changed around sex as well with women and, you know, just all the political things that have been going on lately. We are really at a new era of you know, equality and, and, and partnership. And it's the same, the same goes in the bedroom, the same goes for sex is that we are co-creating what each individual relationship should, you know, look like. Perfect. And, and it's not, it's not, um, it's not for the man to feel that he, he has that responsibility. The woman mm-hmm. has that responsibility too.
0: Yeah. Okay so they share that. And then what's they the third myth?
1: Yeah, and myth number 3 is all porn problems are related to porn addiction. So okay. so not obviously not everybody who views porn is addicted to porn. Mm-hmm. There are some, there's a much smaller ratio there that they, you know, if you if you look at the factors and any any addiction really is is it interfering with the rest of your life? Mm-hmm. Is it interfering with your work? Is it interfering with your family? Is it interfering with your time? Are you are you starting to um, um, create patterns where there's a lot of hiding and and you can't do without it? You know those, those kind of those are red flags for addiction. But for a lot of people, it, they use porn but not in an addictive way, but it, it can still be problematic in the relationship. So um, my, my message is really that there there's, you know, sexual well-being is one of the most beautiful things that we can experience in life. A sense of ease, a sense of freedom, a sense of Um, enjoyment and pleasure. And, and my position is that today's culture does not set us up for that.
0: Yeah, so you're here to educate us on how to do it in a way that's more aligned with our wellness and long-term sustainability for the relationship, which I really appreciate. Absolutely. So so in other words, it's kind of like drinking that when you were saying that it made me think about drinking, like not everybody who drinks alcohol is an alcoholic,
1: right? Right, So some people
0: use porn and they can kind of be porn light, I guess you could call it where, you know, they use it occasionally and maybe they use it as a couple even, and it helps to Um, stimulate some ideas for the couple. And then, you know, it doesn't always have to be problematic. And if you're having problems with it, it doesn't necessarily mean you're addicted. That's what you're saying. Well, I'm, I'm saying
1: something different, actually. I'm saying that, that all porn problems, like you can still have, porn can still be having a problematic effect in your life. Doesn't mean you're addicted. Right 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 exactly okay cuz because, because i think i think some people are reluctant they say well i'm not addicted it's not a problem but it but it actually you know i would suggest just like taking a look at that and and it's really mostly about how is it affecting you as an individual like is it something you are truly at ease with and comfortable with or is it something you're hiding if it's something you're hiding then it means there's there's some kind of disconnect and then it and then it it has a lot to do obviously with your partner that you're with like if they're not okay with porn then there's a problem
0: that needs to be addressed okay okay so so far uh just to kind of recap everything you said we we need to have realistic expectations for both ourselves and our partner when it comes to sex. Sexual well-being is something that is co-created between the partners. And if we're going to utilize porn for any reason, we want to make sure that we're communicating about it. We're not hiding and that, that way we're connecting with it as opposed to disconnecting because of it
1: yeah and and if you bring that topic up for discussion, just be prepared to make space for both people to be honest about where they're at with it. yeah because if if, yeah, and then it and then it's a matter of negotiating and and figuring out which direction you're going to go. Yeah. Every couple is unique, and every couple is different. but um, my my concern is is how much. Porn is getting in the way of people's connection and people's um, and then and then we've we've got just the age old, you know, challenges of talking about porn. So sorry, about sex, that um, there's um, there's just there's things to talk about. And that's really the
0: first step. This is such an important topic. And I really thank you, Kelly, for coming on and sharing your expertise with us. So if somebody is listening to this and they're like, yes, I need to work on this, I would like to reach out to Kelly. Where should they go? Yeah, they can find me at Kelly Cadell,
1: C-A-D-E-L-L. I'm on Facebook and I'm on Instagram. Um, the best way is just reach out to me so we can have a conversation because um, I, I also have a, a some material um, that... That they can access but that first contact is would be Facebook or or Instagram and okay. I can get that to
0: them or your website yeah. so we'll have all that in the show notes thank you again for for being here and for sharing this with our audience now for we're, all we're of you th- yeah now for all of you thinkers out there what did you think of the show if you're a feeler how did hearing this make you feel and for all you doers what are you going to do based on what you've heard. Now, regardless of what your personality code is, my goal is to spread the word that burnout is a unique experience. And by decoding it, you can find solutions that are equally unique to you. Help me spread this message by subscribing to the show on Apple or Spotify and leaving us a review, telling us what you think, feel, or do differently because of the show. And if you're watching us on YouTube, you can leave me a comment or questions to answer in future episodes. And please recommend the show to anyone struggling with burnout. If you are ready to take the next step with me to DYB, go to decodeyourburnout.com and I'll see you right back here next week. Take care.